Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. I am the associate pastor, Greg Davis. I am the son-in-law of Pastor Steve and his wife, Julie. And my wife, Sarah, has just walked in with her little baby daughter, Eilie, Eilie Joe, Eilie Joe Davis. Very glad you are here. I am also in the Army Reserves. So it's a part-time. I am a chaplain, and my unit's based down in Miami. And uh, if you serve in the military or if you've even worked for the government, you know that to get in, you've got to fill out a lot of paperwork. Um, some of these paperwork, you know, it's just... You just got to sign your name, put your social down, and just hopefully, you know, it works out great. Uh, but here are some things they do. They make you fill out a background check, a background check, and they ask all kinds of interesting questions. So I pulled a few here just to share with you that I, that I find interesting. All right, one question is this. Have you ever knowingly engaged in any acts or activities designed to overthrow the U.S. government by force? Knowingly engaged. Uh, I have a weird sense of humor, so when I see the word knowingly, I just think of this weird scenario where somebody got caught up in some organization. He had no idea the whole time, and he did some things that he shouldn't have done. And then, but he can honestly say, "I've, ne- I've never knowingly engaged," but that's weird. It's not a, that's just how I think. Um, I didn't say that. I promise. Um, Another question has to do with foreign relationships. You know, do you have friends and, and connections in other countries? Have you ever traveled outside the U.S. in the last seven years? So if you say, yes, I have, or, you know, my honeymoon or whatever, then you got to go fill out more questions. And it's like, all right, did anyone talk to you? Did someone, like, corner you and ask you these questions? Were you followed by a mysterious bus? You know, things like that. Um, and, uh, and here's another one. This one's a mouthful. It's another one about foreign relationships. Do you have or have you had close and or continuing contact with a foreign national within the last seven years with whom you or your spouse or cohabitant are bound by affection, influence, common interests, and or obligation? Wow. Got to read that one three or four times to know what's even saying. Do you have connections with foreign nationals or maybe your spouse does or maybe, you know, someone you know does and, and what kind of relationship do they, do they have? Why are they asking me these questions? Why are they wondering if I've tried to overthrow the government or if I have a relationship with a foreign national? They want to know about my loyalties. They don't just ask, are you a loyal person, Mark, yes or no? And then you're in. No, they, they're going to look at your past they're going to look at your experiences, the decisions you've made to see if you're loyal to your country. So, yeah, you pass the background check. You pass all the other things you've got to do. You make it into the Army. The next thing you do is you take an oath of office. You swear an oath, and I'll just read you the one I had to do. It says this, I, and they say state your name, do solemnly swear or affirm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. 
that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I am about to enter. So help me God. So you swear an oath of allegiance, and then you go to boot camp, and then you learn a creed, and they call it the soldier's creed. Soldier's creed. It's pretty cool when, when you say the soldier's creed and the other soldiers around here sing it together, and you're like, it's like a chant. It's pretty awesome. Actually, I want to show a clip of just what it's like. Uh, if y'all want to go ahead and play that clip real quick. soldier you feel a little safer now by just seeing the people in our in our armed forces thank you for your service it says things like i will always place the mission first i will never accept defeat i will never quit i will never leave a fallen comrade they're taking these oaths this creed to themselves right they're saying it together as a group it's not an individual thing they're saying it to their nation the people who have entrusted them with the responsibility it's pretty amazing. Because when you're in the military, you swear an oath. When you're in the military, you live by a creed. When you're in the military, you can't have foreign entanglements. You can't be part of conspiracies to overthrow the government. You must be 100% loyal. 100% devoted to your country. In our passage today, which is in chapter 10 of the book of Nehemiah, you can go ahead and turn there with me. We will see the people of God swearing an oath to obey God's commands. They have looked back on their history, and they've seen all those times they were disloyal to God. All those times they broke God's law. And how it always resulted in disaster for them. Now, it's time to get it right. Now it's time to follow God's commands and live like the people who bear his name. And to do that, they swear an oath to separate from the world and devote their lives to obeying God's law. So Nehemiah chapter 10, this is how it breaks down. Well, first it should start in the last verse of chapter 9, which is verse 38. This is what it says. Because of all this, we make a firm covenant in writing. On the sealed document are the names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests. So the because of all this is because of all the history of disloyalty to God and God's faithfulness to us, we're making a covenant which is a commitment, and we're signing our names on this commitment so you know who made the vow. Then verses 1 through 27, that's the list of all the names on the document. You can see that um, in your Bible. And then let's read verse 28 and 29. The rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, 
the temple servants, and all who have separated themselves from the peoples of the lands to the law of God, their wives, their sons, their daughters, all who have knowledge and understanding, join with their brothers, their nobles, and enter into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law that was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord, our Lord, and his rules and his statutes. In the last part of chapter 10, verses 30 through 39, it gets into the details of that oath. Exactly what they're going to do. What they swear to do, what they swear not to do. We will do these things. We won't do these things. And that's how we will obey God. Simply put, this list of verses 30 to 39 deals with four areas of holiness for the community. This is This is community holiness. This is individual, but it's also the group. Holy marriage. Marriage isn't just a private thing. It's actually a public thing. Holy time. Holy work. Holy worship. Holy marriage, holy time, holy work, holy worship. And you can see there that holy worship takes the longest portion, and that's given the greater importance of how they worship. And then the chapter ends in verse 39 with this amazing sentence. They all say this together. We will not neglect the house of our God. We will not neglect the house of our God. Well, that's just a quick overview of chapter 10. So what's going on here? Well, people of God are taking an oath to be holy. To be holy. And there are two points about holiness that I want us to take away. First, holiness means complete separation from evil. Second, holiness means complete devotion to God. Separation from evil and devotion to God. If you put those together, that's the big idea I want us all to take away. That if you are part of God's family, then you must separate from evil. And you must devote your whole life to God. If you are part of God's family, then you must separate from evil and you must devote your whole life to God. I don't want to be misunderstood. When I talk about being separated from evil and devoting your life to God, I'm not talking about how you get into God's family, okay? I'm not talking about what you have to do to have your sins forgiven, right? The big idea is if you're part of God's family, then you do this. So so I'm assuming you are part of God's family, but maybe you're not. Maybe you're not a part of God's family. Well, how do you get into God's family? I want to be clear up front. You don't get into God's family by just cleaning up your act and finding, finding some rules to follow and then saying, God, look, I'm doing it. I'm a little bit better today than I was yesterday, and so I'm, I'm in your family, right? Wrong. It's not how you get into God's family. In fact, there's nothing you can do in your own power. God loves you. This is how you get in. God loves you so much that while you were sinners, Christ died for you. 
in your weakness, in your powerlessness. He sent Jesus to die for your sins, and he rose from the dead. And if you give your life to him and you accept his free offer of grace, then you can be in God's family by the mercy of God. Jesus says this, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. You come to Jesus and you say, I'm thirsty and I can't quench my own thirst. I am tired and I can't find rest. Only you have that. I take that gift freely. And then God accepts you into his family and then you are given the Holy Spirit. And if you have the Holy Spirit, God calls you to be holy. So let's look at that first part on holiness together. Holiness means complete separation from evil. Look with me at Nehemiah 10.28. It says this, The rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all who have separated themselves from the peoples of the lands to the law of God, separated themselves from the peoples of the lands. Why do they need to separate themselves from the peoples? Well, if you're just reading the book of Nehemiah, there are a few enemies already that are from the surrounding nations that are just always against God's people. You got Tobiah, the Ammonite, and that guy's annoying. Man, that guy's annoying. You read, read about him, and he's always trying to get in the way of God's plan. And then there's another guy, Sanballat the Horonite. I mean, he's just as evil, and he's, he's trying to stop uh, God's people from building the wall earlier in Nehemiah. So that's not a good experience. Then just go back even farther in history, and you come to King Solomon. Why is King Solomon? Why is this king ever? Well, he disobeys God, and he marries foreign wives well you know he disobeyed god by marrying more than one wife that's where he went wrong but he married foreign wives who brought in their foreign gods and their false worship and that led his heart astray which led the whole nation astray go back even farther before israel entered the land of canaan the men of israel and you can find this in numbers chapter 25 the men of israel began marrying Midianite and moabite women which in turn led them to worship false gods. Now, don't get me wrong here. It's not that the women are foreign, okay? Ruth, whole book is dedicated to a Moabite woman, Ruth, okay? Rahab is in Jericho, and they all, I mean, God blesses them greatly. I mean, Ruth, eventually, from Ruth we get Jesus. He, she is uh, in the line of the Messiah, so it's not about the fact that they're from another nation. It's the fact that they have false religion, and they bring that into the nation. With intermarriage between Israel and the foreign nations, the inevitable outcome would be the Israelites rejecting God's word and taking on these false religions and these pagan practices. You know what syncretism is? Syncretism is when you kind of buffet your favorite religion. I, got, I like a little bit of this. I like a little bit of Jesus here. 
you know, I want to just, maybe karma is a good idea. You know, you pick. All of it, that's my religion. Well, that's called syncretism. So that's what they were doing. They weren't rejecting Yahweh outright. They had, they had, they had Yahweh, and they also had these other gods too. But what does God say? You shall not have, you shall not have any other gods before me. He's a jealous God, and he's not going to tolerate that, and that's why they get cast out of the land and go into exile, and now they're finally back, so they're saying, we're not going to do that again. Look at verse 30. This is the first thing they swear in the detail. Verse 30, we will not give our daughters to the peoples of the land or take their daughters for our sons. They're not going to get tangled up in foreign relations because that will break the covenant with God. They realize they must separate themselves from evil if they are to live in God's holy land. Listen, this was about removing the influence of false religion. This was about keeping the practices of evil away from the entire community. It's about separating and removing and driving out all forms of evil and temptation. Yes, this passage does mean do not marry someone who's not a Christian. Don't even date someone who's not a Christian. That's not all it means. It means don't let the wrong people influence you. Don't let the wrong people into your homes and influence you and your family to do evil and to sin and to stop following God. Evil wants to get into your life. You know that? It wakes up every day with a new plan to find some weakness and get into your home. There are evil people who get into our homes not by walking in through the front door, but by streaming through the iPhone. They get in in all sorts of ways, and you need to drive out evil. There may be evil in your relationships. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness, because there's bitterness there. And maybe you just need to delete the person from your phone. There may be evil at your work. There may be evil at your school. There may be evil here in our church. If you watch the news, you know there's evil in churches out there. There may be evil in your heart. And it's been there so long, it has power over you. You come home from work, and you bring that inside your house. And your kids know it. And your spouse knows it. But that's why God has given you the Holy Spirit. You know about the armor of God, right? The one weapon he gave you is the sword of the Spirit. And you use that to drive out the evil in your life. Well, how do I know what's evil? Evil's deceptive, you know? It doesn't always look doesn't always look bad. That's why it gets in. We'll ask some questions here. What's something or someone that constantly takes your focus off God? 
what's leading you to sin? What's that circumstance where you just keep on lying? You just keep on getting angry. You're judgmental. You're gossiping about other people. You're lusting. You're envious of what other people have. What are those things that cause you to disobey Jesus' commands? To love one another. Hey, to love your enemies. I delete Twitter like every other day. I, don't, I just need to keep it off my phone, but I come back to it. I'm like, I've, I'm mature now. I cannot get angry, uh, but I don't. So sometimes you've got to remove those things of your life, even if it's temporary. Holiness means complete separation from evil. Okay, that's the first part of what holiness means, separation. Now, the second part here is holiness means complete devotion to God. Look at Nehemiah 10.29 with me. It says that, that the people join with their brothers, their nobles, and enter into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law that was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord, our Lord, and his rules and his statutes. A curse and an oath. That's typical of when they'd make a covenant in the Old Testament. The people would swear, I'm going to obey God's law, and if we don't, may we be cursed. May we be cursed. And the oath they swear is a commitment to obey every word of God that Moses wrote down. Right? It says, Moses, the servant of God. Moses wrote these down, and, and so verses 30 and 39, there's some of the specific areas where they will need to be fully devoted to God. So the people, they swear that their marriages will follow what Moses wrote down. Their Sabbath-keeping will follow what Moses wrote down. They swear they will give their tithes and their offerings to the service of the temple, just like Moses said they should. And they swear that there will be a male descendant of Aaron serving as a priest, just like Moses wrote down. In other words... They swear they will be completely devoted to God. Me and my wife have been watching the Olympics. And the Olympians are devoted. Y'all been watching the Olympics? Anybody? Some of us here. Wow. Like, incredible athletes. We were watching the men's gymnastics. Um, one of the events where it's like a team event. I don't know what it's called, but... Uh, the Americans were in it, and the and the uh, the Russian team was in it. But the Russian t Russian Russia's banned, but somehow some of their athletes are are playing. Uh, I don't know how that works, but but here's the thing: one of these guys, three months before the Olympics, he broke his Achilles, and they told him, "You're not going to be able to walk or stand for six months." Three weeks before the Olympics, he couldn't stand. He's performing at the Olympics doing these flips and these crazy things, and you, you got to land on your feet, right? I'm just like watching this guy. I'm like, I'm going to see this Achilles break. It's going to be disturbing, but i got to see this guy do this thing. It's, not only does he not break his Achilles, I'm sure he's super sore, you know. They win gold. He won. That guy's devoted. He's devoted to something 
great. It's pretty great to get the gold medal. Don't you want to be devoted to something great? I mean, we are devoted to something. By nature, we devote our lives to something. I mean, it could be your job. It could be a hobby of yours or your family. It could be a political cause. It could be a social justice issue. And these are good things. I'm not saying these are bad things. These are good things. It's only bad when it takes the place of God. Do you want to be known as someone devoted to Jesus Christ? When people talk about you, do, do you want them to say, that person's committed to their trust in Jesus? to the mission that God has given them. Wouldn't it be great if First Baptist Del Rey was known as devoted to Jesus? A sign of true conversion is that you are dedicated to living your life for the honor of Jesus Christ. It's not just that your sins are forgiven. It's not just that you got out of, what did they say, get out of hell free card. Your life's different. You want to bring honor to Jesus. This is what Jesus tells his disciples in Mark chapter 8. He says this, And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But... Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. In the book of Philippians, Paul, he's writing from prison, and he says this. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Devoted to Jesus Christ. One of my favorite books is the book called The Pilgrim's Progress. I've talked about it before, but there's a moment in the book where the two characters, Christian and Hopeful, are discussing. And they're talking about what happened to Hopeful when he became a Christian, when he really understood what it means to follow Jesus. This is what he said, uh, what it did to his soul. It made me see, he says, it made me see that all the world, notwithstanding all the righteousness thereof, is in a state of condemnation. It made me see that God the Father, though he be just, can justly justify the coming sinner. It made me greatly ashamed of the vileness of my former life and confounded me with a sense of my own ignorance. For there never came a thought into my heart before now that showed me so the beauty of Jesus Christ. It made me love a holy life and long to do something for the honor 
and glory of the name of the Lord Jesus. Yea, I thought that had I now a thousand gallons of blood in my body, I could spill it all for the sake of the Lord Jesus. Do you long to do something for the honor and glory of the Lord Jesus? When I was a little kid, there was a song that we used to sing about allegiance to Jesus. It's like, I pledge allegiance to the Lamb with all my strength, with all I am, I will seek to honor his command. I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. Is there anyone, is there anyone here today devoted to Jesus Christ? Is there anyone here today whose heart is so full of love for Jesus that you would spill all the blood in your body for the glory of his name? Is there anyone here today who will, who will raise their children in the fear of the Lord Is there anyone here today whose soul burns for the house of God? I will not neglect the house of our God. And you're zealous for the holiness of this church. Is there anyone here today listening to my words about driving out evil and you can't wait to get home? You can't wait for this sermon to be over so you can drive home and so you can find those things that have time and time again deceived you and led you away from Jesus and you're saying, I know what I need to do. I need to get rid of that. I know what I need to do. I need to throw it out of my house. I know what I need to do. I need to remove anything that compromises my allegiance with the Son of God. Is there anyone who is devoted to Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.